Balotelli. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. Hayden! Goal! Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am a punch drunk beam. <laughs> That's what happens when you've had a long week. You've had a lot of news happen, mm-hmm. and we decided to record the podcast at 5 p.m. on Friday. <laughs> your 5 p.m. on yes, Friday. exactly. That's what we've done. It's like picture at any job where it's like, it's 4.30. What are we doing? Getting ready to go out? Happy sure. hour? Mm-hmm. That's where Beamer wants to be. Instead, we're recording a soccer podcast. Hey, man, it's, I got to uh, say, I'm a known political expert, apparently, uh, with everything that's <laughs> happening in the Ohio State House. You know, with today's show, is yeah. political correspondent, Brandon Beam. Uh, uh, that's fun. Have well, fun today, in- by the way. Have a good yeah. show. I can't, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> that's the thing. We're recording after your show and before my show. So I don't, I don't care. know what the hell I'm, we're going to say I've cracked three show. beers between nine. So this it's nine at 919 on Friday morning. I get off at approximately, oh, I don't know, let's say eight. 857 bone i'm already four beers in so i can't blame you i can't blame you at all um well we're not going to talk about a ton of uh, ohio state house news today so you're in luck we're going to talk instead about uh the euros we've got euro 2020 in 2021 and now we're getting to the knockout stages so that is pretty cool we'll talk all about that um we will also talk about this little team in austin that apparently the crew are playing this weekend and Thoughts on that? Thoughts on a new stadium? Thoughts on will the stadium be done in time mm. for the first game? <laughs> I mean, seems to be seats- a pretty big thing. Thing or not a thing, definitely a thing. Here's the good news: the roof on, the seats in, the grass grown. I don't need all the other stuff, right? Like, if every concession stand is not fully up and running at the start, uh, it's all right. I'm going to be see pissed if I cannot get a hot dog from Dirty Frank's. <laughs> well, soon. Soon enough. I'm sure it'll happen. It'll be there. It'll be all right. Um, But we're going to start off talking about the Euros. Uh, So we have all the matchups now for the round of 16. That gets started off on Saturday. Uh, First off, before we get to those matchups, I guess, I've enjoyed this tournament. I, I haven't gotten to watch as much of it as I wanted to. I don't know how much of it you've gotten to watch. A Beamer, lot. But, I have okay, wa- I've watched a lot of it. Yeah, because, well, the problem is when I'm at work, that here's here's we have you've seen our new studios obviously mm-hmm. you're in them right now yeah um but in the in the area where our offices are we have six seven gigantic 50 screen 50 inch screens sitting up there mm-hmm. all up on the wall they all have sports on them i sit at the end of that row so there's a bunch of tvs but i am at the very end of the row and so when i look up the tv on the end is controlled by the common man mm. What does the common man watch every day QVC. When, we come, when I come in? QVC every day. That's what's on. And so I have to look a TV past him, which is like, you know, 15, 20 feet away. And that's the first Euro TV I can get. So I've been trying to watch it, but usually and, and my back is turned to that TV. So I have to like turn full around or go walk over to a place. Um, so it's, you know, it's a big, it's a big hassle for me. Try to watch them during the week, but during the weekends, I've been able to get to watch some games and, 
we've had him on in the studio when we can and yeah some some high drama some really excellent play it's it's been a lot of fun to watch yeah it's been pretty amazing man i was on vacation uh last week and then uh the previous week for a couple of days and it was great because the first day that we got to vacation is when the euro started bone and it was like so we go up to northern michigan every single year and it's amazing you just kind of reset the batteries and recharge a little bit and it was like 85 90 degrees outside for up there it's very uncharacteristically hot so at you know the place that we stay doesn't have air conditioning and so i mean it was just brutally hot outside so we're like all right you know open the windows stay inside have fans on whatever it gave me a great excuse to stay inside while we were not like in the lake and doing that so it was great man i've watched uh, a whole lot on vacation and then this past week as you guys know i mean i get off at 9 a.m so as soon as noon rolls around i'm like bam like on the tv we're good to go so yeah i have watched um probably not i mean 70 percent of all the games bone but i probably caught 70 percent of every single game that has been played that's fantastic yeah that's uh that's a really good ratio at the very least you want to you want to be in that sweet spot Mm -hmm. um so for me for this tournament i think uh it's it's been well played there's been as much like the the stuff that's happened off the field with like coca-cola being moved around by cristiano ronaldo and other players like that stuff's been the stuff we've ended up talking about on the air but as far as the games themselves, I mean, you've had games that have swung mightily, like, you know, games that had three, four, five goals in them. I mean, it's... Oh, that that first match week, uh, the first round of the group stages, you had Netherlands and Ukraine. That game was the craziest game of the entire group stage. Oh, Netherlands yeah. goes up yeah. 2-0. I think it's like the 70th minute, something like that. Ukraine, literally, bam, bam, they score. Netherlands comes right down the field. They score again. Like, it was uh, the last... 45 minutes of that game from going to nil nil at halftime to five goals in the second half was unbelievable. Yeah. 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 That. And then you cap it off like towards the end of the, the run of the, you know, round Robin stage, the group stage, you've got Luka Modric hitting one of the best shots I've ever seen yeah. in any, I mean, just, I, I love, I love it when soccer players do something that before you can even process what is transpiring, the ball is in the net and everybody's celebrating, and it takes you like seven replays to go, oh my God. What did what just happened? He ran up on that, hit it with the outside of his boot, and it bent in such a way that like he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. No one else no one else had a clue that that was about to happen. And then when he unleashed that on the world, it was just a gift. Just a gift. So that's that's the play that I've enjoyed from watching Euro twenty twenty, but now we've got the group stage, man. Now we're looking at some pretty sick matchups. I, I think chief among them as far as just interest level with the countries involved, England and Germany mm-hmm. is is one that, you know, everyone's going to have their eyes on. Is it coming home? That, those are two of the, you know, powerhouse, if you could call them franchises. They're not. They're countries. But you know what I mean? Like, sure. They're two, of the brand, biggest, two of the biggest names in world soccer. Brand is high. Fan base is huge. Like, they're everyone is expecting that these teams would be there kind of at the end and now they're sitting there knock one of them is going to get knocked out so i ask you is it coming home or germany going to is germany going to roll uh you know going into this tournament i had pretty decently low expectations for germany not to say that i didn't think that they were capable enough to get out of their group which was tough by the way uh they struggled against hungary in that last match day there's no doubt about that they were also paired of course with france and portugal portugal the reigning champions france reigning world cup champions so it was never going to be easy for them to get out of that group t-bone but they did that they managed to and they came in second place they now get england in that uh so we always knew there was going to be a matchup 
between the winner of England's group and then the winner, or the, excuse me, whatever, second, third second place, place yeah. uh, in, in that group of death, right? The proverbial group of death. Uh, so we always knew that this was likely going to be an outcome that would happen, but now that we're here on the doorstep of it actually happening, uh, I just looked at the way that Germany played against Hungary. Obviously a gross, gross game that was played in Munich. Uh, you know, the entire thing that was going around with Hungary and the rainbow flags too. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the off-field stuff has been, I mean, pretty interesting to say the least uh, surrounding this tournament. The on-field stuff has really gone on without a hitch. I mean, it's been, you know, really good high level soccer breaking analysis there. Thank you, Taylor Twelman. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, uh, so I just, I, I've what really- are we doing? What are we doing? Sorry. That was my, Whenever you say Taylor Twelman, we just have to do that. Yeah, so. Antoine Antoine Griezmann as well. Uh, you know, he's very good at <laughs> very very good at the pronunciation. Dude, he, guide. Okay, can we just stop on on that for a second? <sighs> Taylor Twelman is partially responsible. Like whatever part of this tournament I've not enjoyed, it's been him. <laughs> like I have just not enjoyed his commentary. I know, and this is not personal because of crew stuff or although i maybe maybe i can't get that out uh, of my head i think if we peel the layers back it may well, be some of that all right that may be the genesis of it but far be it i'm not the only one like if you go look at people who have been watching this tournament online one of the chief complaints has been who is this guy and why is he on this broadcast he sucks well, he's gonna get and the final too you know he is 100%. i know he, of course yeah. of course he's gonna get the final and that's what I'm saying is people who never watch MLS and who never pay attention to Europe, you know, anything other than European soccer are now getting exposed to Taylor Twelman and they're just floored. They're they're shocked by what they're hearing. And so, yeah, you're you're right. Anton Griezmann, among other just ridiculous things that he says. Anyway, yeah, back to you. That's uh that's my Taylor Twelman rant for the day. Breaking news, killing Mbappe is fast, too, which I learned on the broadcast between <laughs> France and Portugal the other day. Uh, so really in-depth stuff there. No, I think when you match, when you look at the matchup between England and Germany, maybe a, a bit underwhelming from England from that standpoint as well, Bone. They, they won their group, obviously. They're feeling good uh, about that. But you match up with, uh, you know, I mean, you have the last three major champion winners. You have Germany with the World Cup. Then you, you know, pair that with Portugal. And then all of a sudden you pair that with France. Like, those were massive, massive games in that group. And all three of those teams managed to get out. So you have three of the last major champions working uh, still in the knockout rounds. England hasn't won anything in a long time, man. This is a team in Germany that has been here before. I know England was very close against Croatia in the World Cup semifinal five years, or excuse me, three years ago. But at the same time, man, this is a stacked roster on both sides. I think it all comes down to in that game, if England controls the pace and they control the tempo, which is something they did great in their games, Bone, defense was resilient. You know, Raheem Sterling has been playing great for them. I know it hasn't been the best situation. Him and City kind of fell out of order with Pep Guardiola in the second half of the season. He's really come on strong. And then when you're able to add a guy like Marcus Rashford or the young player in Jude Bellingham who's only 17 years old late in those stages, it's pretty amazing to look at the depth. So in this particular knockout game, I'm going to go with England. And then you look at their path from there. It really opens up if they're able to get past this first round. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because then the winner of the England-Germany game gets the winner of Sweden-Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Certainly, that's a favorable matchup. And yep. then the bottom half of the other side of that group, whoever wins out of those two games, the the four teams on the bottom half of this bracket are Netherlands and Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Which Netherlands, you know, they're not the same old Netherlands they used to be, but they're still a, a tough out. Um, Wales and Denmark, two of the feel-good stories in this tournament that you're rooting for. I think most people are rooting for anyway. Uh, one of them gets eliminated, but certainly this is not 
this is not the same as lining up and seeing, okay, well, if you win this game, you got to play France. And if you win that game, or then you Belgium play or Italy or Belgium yeah. or yeah, like you're not, you've, you've got, you don't have to England or Germany, whoever comes out of this will not have to see one of those teams again until they get to a final, if they can get there. Um, so yeah, that, that side of the bracket is a very favorable draw for both those teams. It's just their first game. Right. Only one of them's getting through. Yeah. I think it's going to be a really fun one though. I can see the first 20, 25 minutes, of course, being tactical and a feeling out process. These two are obviously teams that have familiarity with each other, let alone in the euros, but world cup stages as well. Very much looking forward to that. I just got to ask you through this. I mean, through, as we get through the group stages, as we head into the knockout rounds, who has surprised you the most and, you know, nece- not necessarily dark horse favorite but if you were to maybe rebet because going into this i'm like france you know they're they're unbelievable you just look at what they did in the world cup they have a majority of the rocks roster coming back this is called been called the greatest generation of french soccer like we've ever seen um so they were obviously a big favorite heading into the world cup if i had to ask you now to reassess the situation would france still be your favorite or are you you jumping on someone else's bandwagon um i would i would still probably say france is the favorite but Dude, I was going to bring up because Belgium is a team that, yes, does not have a favorable draw here, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they've got Portugal, then they get the winner of Italy, Austria, yeah. which is likely going to be Italy, you would assume, and that's going to not be easy either. And then out of the other side of that group, like we said, is France and Switzerland, Croatia, Spain. I mean, you're there's a chance that Belgium's going to have to beat like Portugal, Italy, France to get to a final. That's that's a tough road. But Kevin De Bruyne yeah. coming back and being healthy. And looking like he did, I mean, just going into full God mode. There's total difference maker. He's, God, he's so good. So, I like, I know that's breaking news. Kevin De Bruyne, good. Mm-hmm. But, like, I still don't, I can't see myself betting against this Belgium team that many U.S. soccer fans obviously remember when yeah. their very young team went up against a Tim Howard-led U.S. national team and peppered Tim Howard with, I think, 74 shots on goal. It yeah, was, approximately. <laughs> give or take a few. Mm-hmm. And he stopped, like, almost every one of them just couldn't stop one of them. And and anyway, that was when all of that group now that you're seeing kind of at the end of their primes, that was when they were the young kids making a big push, and they were exciting and fresh. And now all those guys are tremendous talents that are in their prime. I don't think Belgium is necessarily a favorite, but if someone other than France is going to come from that side, I, I could see it being Belgium. Yeah, I'm between three teams right now. I really am. I You hit the nail on the head with one of them. I'm still with France. But the way that Italy are playing over this last 18 months or so, they've played 30 games. They have yet to lose one. They are playing unbelievable under Mancini. They just extended his contract. Whatever has happened inside of that locker room with that chemistry, it has just flipped a switch, and we're getting back to seeing the old-style, old-school Italian way that they play soccer. And you've got new faces all over the place for this Italian side. I think the winner of this tournament is going to come from one of those those three teams. I'm with you. I've got France, I've got Belgium, and I've got Italy, and I think those three are the mega favorites right now. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right, and uh, there, <laughs> this is going to be a really fun deal to watch uh, for the schedule purposes. Mm-hmm. Just for planning out your weekend, Saturday we get Wales versus Denmark. That's great, in it's Amsterdam. a gr- it's a great start to the knockout round. Yeah, it is, and and Wales obviously you've got that that being a kind of surprise team a few years ago, but now they've shown that they can do this and they belong here. And obviously, we know the story with Denmark, the Christian Eriksen oh, thing. 
just heartbreaking to see with him. Glad glad he's okay, of but course. what a ter- terrifying moments to watch. Uh, that that was just that was again well, not a good he was moment. Dead on the field, right? I mean, it, it it's hard to talk. It's hard to comprehend. It's hard to talk about. And while we're, I mean, while we are discussing it, I mean, yeah. just a huge, huge, huge props to the medical and safety team of this tournament for getting there and being able to resuscitate him as quickly as possible. And then one of his teammates for actually knowing what to do and like starting CPR on him. I mean, that is to go from playing in a high level soccer match to then having to go to save someone's life. I cannot imagine what is running through what what is running through their mind. I want to say that was the captain that did that for their team. And then also like then uh, his wife, Christian Erickson's wife came down and then that captain went right over to her and said, look, Hey, yeah. we're here for you we're good he's fine let's take care of you because that that's i just can't imagine going through that so yeah that's that's what i said with these two teams you love to see both of them have a chance to not knock each other out because i'm i who's not rooting for either of these teams right, right now english fans aren't rooting for wales but you know now, who cares every, every right everybody else is i think pretty excited about that upstart getting chance and then denmark obviously there's a lot of good vibes there but that's that's your that's your start on Saturday, and then at three o'clock you get Italy, so you get to watch them on ABC. Like they're playing Austria, but who cares? I mean, that's great for Austria. I don't know, David Alaba, man, my guy, I love him. Ah, uh, yeah, he's he's fantastic, man, fantastic. Sunday you've got the Netherlands and Czech Republic at noon, and then Belgium Portugal at three yeah, p.m. Should be a good one. That's yes. I mean, breaking news: all the games in yeah. the Euros should be pretty good <laughs> at this point because uh, we're we're starting to distill it down to the best of the best. Yeah, and then Monday you got Croatia, Spain, and France, Switzerland. So it just the hits keep on coming. Tuesday's the England Germany game. I am I am thrilled. I am glad to get a chance to watch all this. And now I think it's going to be a little easier to focus on it because there's not like, oh, well, which game should I flip to? Which well, one's and, better? Yeah, and also, too, not necessarily that added pressure, but the added pressure of trying to follow which teams get in who finish in third place. Oh, Like, that was yes. such a headache for me. And I'm like, all right, well, this team's on this many points and the goal, differen- goal differential is this. Like, it was just a very, I don't know, It's it always comes around, and each and every time I watch the, this tournament, I'm like, I'm scratching my head trying to figure out exactly what the game plan is here. Who needs to score this goal? Like, if Poland comes back to beat this team, how many more goals do they need to score and goal differential and all that? So I'm glad to get that out of the way because now we can actually just focus on the games at hand. The worst part is I'm watching this with uh, Common Man because mm-hmm. we're watching it in the studio, yeah. and we, have, we had the uh, – we had the Germany Hungary game on, and he's like, "All right, so what needs to happen here?" And I'm like, "No, no, guys, no, no idea. Clue. I don't no know. Clue. I don't. I don't remember." And he's like, "Well, well, they just scored a goal. What does that mean?" And it's like, you know, I forget. I don't know. And it's like, "Well, you're the soccer guy." Well, I, yes, but I have not got it memorized, and things are changing, and math is hard, and leave me alone. And so, yes, it's, <laughs> that's how I felt. It's worse. It's worse when you've got your like non. Not that you know Mike likes soccer, but. Your non-soccer watching friends are Your like well, soccer you know watching all this. friends even have I, and yes. no clue what's going on. We're all still trying to like completely parse that together. So anyway, at least we've we've gotten past that. Now it's just whoever wins moves on. That's easier to understand. I had a heck of a day on Wednesday, by the way. The final, oh. uh, but the final, the final round of the group stage. It was, was. It was pretty amazing. So I uh, I got the smoker for my dad. Got me a smoker for my birthday, right? And so. <laughs> 
Eric, my next door neighbor, uh, as you know, to you known to be come on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So he invited me. We got back from Michigan probably on Sunday. He sends me a text. He's like, hey, having some buddies over to watch the Euro. Some of them have taken half days. I've taken a full day off just to get prepared for this. Like, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Great. He was like, do you want to come over? You know, we'll make some food and do all this. I'm like, I just got a smoker. It'd be a great idea to have a smoked meat at this oh, little thing that yeah. we're doing. So, Bone, I get the smoker fired up, and without me realizing it, uh, we got a 12-pound pork butt. Mm-hmm. This thing took 20 hours to finish, all right? <laughs> I started it at 6.30 on Tuesday night, preparing for, you know, like noon or something like that. Oh, okay, so you started it the night before. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. excellent. No, started it the night before, knew that it was going to take a long time, and without me realizing, like, in the heat of the moment, we're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great, going to start this and fire this up. Without me realizing, I've got to get up at 4 o'clock the next morning to come into work, but someone still has to watch the temperature on this smoker. It uh. was absolutely... I mean, the meat was great, but we had to take sleep shifts during the night to, like, go check check the temperature, and the dog was going crazy because he smelled the meat in there. Like, uh-huh. it was great. I got to say, that's more of a weekend activity than a midweek it is, activity. It is. I, I would, uh, yes, as someone who has smoked some meat in my day, I would recommend only smoking on the weekends uh, or when you have days off because it is, yeah, it's a, it's a chore, man. It's a big deal, but... The reward is great once you finally get that out of there and pull the pork and oh, it's fantastic. smoke and, and take a bite of the brisket, whatever you're doing. It's it's a great deal. But now but, my uh, like my lust and my hunger has gotten greater for it because immediately as I ate it, I'm like, all right, what would I do different next time? You know, like yes, it's, yes, it's crazy. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's now I gotta I have a smoker. I haven't I actually haven't used it this year and I like since like the warm weather came and I now you've got me thinking this weekend's the weekend. I gotta get going on that. Um, we'll take a break when we come back. We'll talk about this weekend because there's a big matchup going for the crew. We'll discuss them playing Austin for the first time and how we all feel about that. It's coming up next on Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. All right. It is Sunday, 8 p.m. I believe this is a game that is on national television, either FS1 or ESPN. What is it? It's on uh, FS1. That's right. Of course, all the action right here on the fan. Uh, Austin FC will be taking on the Columbus crew in Austin. Mm -hmm. Austin is hosting at the Q2 Stadium. If you are not familiar with the Save the Crew saga, this might be like, why do you care about this game? But obviously everyone who is aware of what happened with the crew the last, you know, three years is uh, very aware of why this is a big deal. So Beamer, I'll let you know where I am on this. Yeah. The Save the Crew documentary, Battle for Columbus, just debuted last night at the Gateway Theater here in Columbus. Awesome. I did not get to go and watch it. I was sent an advanced copy of it and I got to watch look at you I, I, like i watched the movie i just didn't get to go see it live um or see it at in the theater but here's the thing man i had kind of gotten to a point where it was like well this is not a rivalry and and it's not it's not on the field a rivalry yet you actually have to play games that matter for any of these things to be a rivalry but watching the austin bros cruise blaine to the rest of us like well you know maybe if you'd shown up in more games maybe you'd have a team it's just like you know now i hope they lose 17 to nothing mm-hmm. like bleep you to the bleeping heights man like i it's not so much that i need to see the crew beat austin 
because if they don't, the whole seat like this would not be like OSU Michigan, where if you lose to Michigan, in sure. my mind, that almost takes away like the rest of the season is like, well, all right, they're going yeah, to go what's to a the good point? bowl game. It just sucks. It like takes the air out of the whole season. That's not what this will be with Austin. It's just I need those douche bros in Austin, Texas to shut up for a few weeks. I need them to feel bad because I don't think they felt bad at all during any of this. They have felt excellent the whole time. So that's what I want to see Sunday. I want to see the crew humble them and then, yeah, they can go on and be whatever. And down the road, maybe a rivalry develops. I just don't want them to walk out of there going, ha ha, yes, we did it. We beat the crew. I can't bear to hear that from those fans. That's really where I am on this. But what say you? Yeah, it's an understandable viewpoint from this. I've always said, man, I, I know that I, I get your point of this not yet being an on-field rivalry, but it's a rivalry in every sense of the word, man. You have a snake owner that tried to take a team away from your city as soon as he bought it, laid the plans down and everything. And then you had one of the greatest movements in all of sports where you have a local organization, grassroots organization in the Save the Crew movement, come up and actually put in the legwork to do what they need to do to save the team and keep them here in the city. Charter franchise, and he wanted to rip that away. I get your point of not being an on-field rivalry. Like I said, totally understand that. But at the same time, you have all of the background that you need to want this to be a rivalry game. I don't know how much the players are actually going to take this into account, but if I'm a crew player and I'm out there on the field on Sunday evening when this game gets going, there's a little hot blood running there because if you've gotten to know this city and you've been here for a long time or, heck, even a short time, you understand what this team means to the fan base surrounding. Just build a brand, beautiful brand-new stadium, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Uh, but... It's, it's a rivalry in every sense of the word for me, man. I, I get it. You know, some of the players, if you're jazzed up for it, great. If not, that's okay, too. But the fans are going to be juiced up and ready to rock for this one. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I Here's what I think the players may have, because uh, you're right. Like, players are looking at this from, you know, I get paid to do this, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to win a championship. Sure. I'm trying to defend what we won last year and win that again. And then this Austin thing, it's like they're a nothing team from the Western Conference that does not factor in your playoff plans at all. Okay, They should be an easy three points because they're a crap team. They're not any good right now. They've got injuries. They're just they're just a bad team. So Minnesota just beat them two nothing. No problem like that. It should not be much of a game in that sense. But I wonder if I think players like Jonathan Mensa have shown he really gets the fans. He really understands the frustrations. You saw when they kind of fixed the logo, uh, he had some comments about that yeah. after they initially put it out and it sucked and they ch- tweaked it a little bit. He had some comments and I thought that was telling that he he understands this. that was an important issue to fans, whether or not a player necessarily has to care about it. It was good to know that he at least understood the fans perspective there. And I think that is something as a leader on this team, you will see that message be carried. It's like, look, whatever we think of this, we have to win this for our fans. Like the pressure will be there because we care about the fans. We care about the organization. But you got to remember, too, guys like Jonathan Mensah, um, guys like Harrison Awful, um, some of the other longtime crew players that have been with this organization were there for the pre-court era. They lived through that. Of course. They lived through having to keep their mouth shut and not talk about any of this and all that weirdness for a year. I, I would bet you there is definitely some ill will harbored you know animosity 
from some of these players towards Anthony Precourt. Not necessarily the Austin organization, not their fans, not the other players, but Anthony Precourt, I could see them saying, we don't want that guy to be happy, you know? I, I, or maybe not. Maybe I don't know. I Maybe there is some more mixed emotion because a lot of those guys got big contracts from Anthony Precourt. So, I mean, I would tend to think most of those guys would be able to put that in perspective. Like, yeah, I got paid, but that's because I'm good. You put us through a bunch of crap for 18 months. I mean, you almost up into it, too. I, I don't know about you, Bone. I, I take my personal life very seriously, and I'm a creature of habit, and I don't really like leaving my home, right? Like, yeah, I like to go right. maybe to other homes or somewhere else, like where I'm with my wife, but I don't like anything to be uncertain. You know, like I said, I'm a creature of habit, and to have this upended and not having a clue what your personal life may look like in 30 days or 60 days or six months or no clue, uh, Again, I'm not speaking for the players on this behalf, just from my personal perspective. Again, is there some ill will harbor between former crew players that were under pre-court management? Maybe. I have no clue. I can't get into their brain. Just speaking from my point of view, there definitely would be. Like you mentioned, you're going to get paid, and that's fine, and this was an organization that paid you under this management and under this ownership. But, again, you tried to up in this team, and a guy like Jonathan Mensa, who loves the city of Columbus, Ohio, and has proven to be an undoubtable leader of this team, when he steps foot in there and looks around, it's like, okay, this is what they wanted to do. This is what they wanted this organization to look like. And now we have our team. You have yours. Let's knock it out on the field and let's see who comes out on top. There would be a personal challenge, at least for me, going into this game. Again, nothing ill will harbored probably against the Austin FC franchise and themselves and management and roster. Maybe you don't care about the players on the team. Maybe you're best friends with them. I don't know. But at the same time, man, you are looking at this game from a standpoint, we're going to go out there and we are just going to kick your ass. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I want to see is I want to see a robust starting 11. Uh, they had kind of a mishmash starting 11 against Philadelphia earlier this week, and I think that makes sense um, because they know the focus. You're on national TV. Mm-hmm. as much. It's ridiculous, right? Like Philadelphia is the playoff team. Philadelphia yeah. Yeah. is – in your division and or on your you know in the eastern conference they're a team that you are going to have to beat in the playoffs and yet rightfully so that game was sandwiched in between two really important games from a fan perspective and i do think crew brass i do think caleb porter understand sometimes it's more important to play to the emotional sides of your fan base and of your team and nobody wanted to see the crew lose in that final game at historic crew stadium no one in that organization wants to see them lose this game and no one wants to see them lose the game coming up on July 3rd. Like those to me are the three dates. They're like, we have to win those three games. And they haven't disappointed. And they, they set you off yeah. in the best way at historic crew stadium as possible. That was, was unbelievable great. scenes. It was great. Jossie getting a brace too. It was nice to see him after, you know, coming to the crew and having his career kind of rejuvenated as a striker fitting send off, right. For one of the better goal scorers that that stadium has ever seen. So that was epic. That was a really fun night, and, and I had a lot of great moments there. Got to see a lot of people I'd you know, been wanting to see for months because of COVID and people I've talked to for many, many years there, and having one last tailgate was awesome. Now we go to the new place, man, and uh, lower, lower.com field. No, it's going. It's open. <laughs> what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. It's, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Here's what I know. They got a roof over the stands. They got seats. They got grass. We're good. We're good. We'll get there. May not have fine. all of the amenities in yet, Bone, but I mean, most who, of them. Who am I, who am I to say? I have no clue what's <laughs> going on with the stadium. Here's what here's what I know. 
I will have a better idea of this on Sunday because Sunday, I believe, I think I RSVP'd for that. I got to check my email. They're doing a watch party out in front of this, or I think like on the outside of the stadium, they're going to have a watch party where you can watch the Austin game at the new crew stadium. Great. And I'm going to check it out Sunday night. So I'll have a little bit more knowledge about it next week when we talk to be able to say, cause I've not been in the building yet. They've I like, I see so many people posting pictures like, Oh, it's my third time in the stadium. It's really coming along. And I'm like, I've never, I've even got to go. I drive past it every day and I've not been inside of it. <sighs> yeah. Little I know known well, to you, my insider information about the crew stadium being done. I have Andy Dufresne myself from the radio station and tunneled in to the stadium. <laughs> and I go in after dark to take a look around to see Just the Just Tell me about the tunnel. Cause I need, I, the, 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 nice has, thing is, the tunnel has lights. The tunnel's good to good. go. Tunnel's that's got good. all the amenities you could possibly ask for. It's more well done than our stadium. <laughs> I think the stadium will be all right. I think you'll be surprised when we get in there. But uh, here's here's what I know. We now work right across the freeway from that stadium because mm-hmm. we are in the 10 TV studios now. And I can actually see. I have a window that I can look out of from where my cubicle sits. Yeah. And I can see the top of the stadium. And so, no joke, I was watching the Save the Crew documentary, the little screener edition I got. I was watching that on my work computer while looking. And at one point, it was like, will they save the team? What will happen to the stadium? And then I'm like looking, and I'm like, there we go. It's right there. It was a very surreal moment that I uh, that I had sitting there thinking, I can't believe all the hell that <laughs> this fan base went through. And yeah. now, I, now I'm working at a different building, and I'm seeing the stadium. It was just an odd moment. It was a weird... Yeah, weird time, but good time. So, yeah, we've got July 3rd on the calendar. It's all circled up, ready to go. I'm excited to go. going to take the older two kids. My youngest will stay with Oh, babysitter. come on. Let her go. She's she's like not even two. It doesn't like matter. She'd gonna... have a great time. She'll remember that oh. for the rest of her life. She won't, and she will never remember it, and we will have a miserable time. So, <laughs> I think that yeah. you know what, Bob? Think... You're, you're making up a bunch of excuses. I don't, I don't get it from you. <laughs> I think you need to bring your puppy. I think you need to come to the game well, and bring here's, your puppy. Here's the situation status on that. So Meredith is going back up to Michigan on another uh-huh. vacation because she's a teacher. She gets summer vacation. She can do what she wants. Yeah. And her whole family is going to be up there for the 4th of July. And I'm thinking, great, you're going to take the dog. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to have the house to myself for like five or six days. She told me yesterday, hey, I'm not going to take the dog. You're SOL six days in charge of the puppy by yourself. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Great. That didn't wrinkle any of my plans that I've had. So I'll, you take your two-year-old, and I will take the young bull himself, Theo, and we will see who has a better time. Actually, I, I could we we have a dog as well, so I could I could bring our almost one-year-old puppy slash kind of a real dog. Now. By the way, when does the teething phase end? Because this is I, a real I'll pain. let you know. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> okay. We're still getting bit up all over the place mm-hmm. at our house. Yeah. I got blood just pouring out everywhere in my body right yeah, now. I, like, <laughs> I don't even know. Did I get bit? I got my ear pierced the other day by him. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah. That's real good. Meredith looks at me. She goes, what's wrong with your ear? And I'm like, I don't know. What is? I go into the bathroom. I literally have blood dripping off of it. I'm like, oh, I must have picked him up and he must have bitten me. So there you go. <laughs> the joys of owning a puppy. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. What a fun book. At least well, I'm here now and he didn't poop uh, while we were doing a show like he did that one time. That's so that was fun. <laughs> During the show. During we the like, podcast. Ah, hey, we gotta I go. To, yeah. I have to go clean up poo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Well, if you want to hear more about that Save the Crew uh, documentary, we talked to Sean Kelly who produced that, directed it last week on the show. So go check that episode out. 
And next week we will have more on the new stadium and a preview of the opener. And hopefully we'll talk about a big win over Broccoli FC. Not my guys. Um, Till next time, Beamer, anything else before we go? No, man, just excited about the Euros this coming weekend. Of course, back next week with everything. And I hope uh, if I'm giving scoreline predictions, Bone, for Sunday evening against Austin, 4-0, Columbus wins on the road. 4-0, yeah. there you go. Uh, Follow Beamer on Twitter for all of your Ohio State House news and notes. He will have you covered (laughs) in all political things. Like I said to begin the show, enjoy it today, man. I'm sure you'll have a great time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I will. Mm -hmm. That's it for us. We'll talk to you next week right here on Bone and Beam United.